This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Today is a bonus episode. Match Group just released their Singles in America study, and I've decided I'm going to record how my team is going to read over the data. And uh, well, will we feel validated or not? I guess we'll see towards the end of this episode. I want to introduce the rest of my team. The whole team's not on, but the team that is on right now, I will introduce them uh, right now. So first up, we are joined by matchmaker Crisula Mavrianos. Want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by matchmaker Lucinda Latrell. Hello. And we're also joined by our community manager, Anna Maria Tavanli. Hi, everyone. Awesome. So uh, I love that you're all on. We're, we're very much the core of the matchmaking team at Agapi Match. Um, especially Ana Maria, has, who as a community manager is responsible for cleaning up our database and getting all the initial data to us before our interviews with matches. So it'll be great to see, you know, the, the, fourth, the, the beginning of when someone comes in and what they're looking for and also what we're hearing when people talk to us. All right. So if you don't know, Match Group releases Singles in America study every single year, and they come out with percentages. Uh, it's usually a study that is conducted by, not usually, it's always a study that's conducted by um, really brilliant people, and it comes out with lots of data. So let's really quick read the fine print here. Singles in America was funded by Match and conducted by Dinata in association with renowned anthropologist Dr. Helen Fisher and evolutionary biologist Dr. Justin Garcia of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The 2021 study is based on the attitudes and behaviors taken from a demographically representative sample of 5,000 U.S. singles between the ages of 18 to 98. Generations are defined as Gen Z, ages 18 to 24, Millennials, ages 25 to 40, Gen X, ages 41 to 56, and Boomers, ages 57 to 75. Single in America remains... Well, here's what they've written, and I agree with them. Singles in America remains the most comprehensive annual, annual scientific study of single Americans. You can find the data that we're looking over if you want to read along with us at singlesinamerica.com. Okay, so starts off here with some percentages. Every year, um, let's see, da, da, da. so it says here, 83% of singles want emotional maturity in a partner over physical attractiveness, which was 78%. I would say, um, this is Chrisula speaking, I would say um, this is, I would say this is very accurate. I mean, the people that I talk to on a daily basis are telling me, I need, I need my partner to be self-aware. I have done all this work. I have all done all this self-improvement and self-development. And it's really, um, it's really important that my partner also has done that self-work. Um, so, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people, majority are telling me I'm open to looks. I don't have a type, which is amazing. That's a really healthy way to date. But I think they're putting more, um, more importance on, has this person read a book on <laughs> uh, the bare minimum? Have they read a book or maybe read a, a study on, um, 
or even go to therapy? Have they done that? Uh, because it's really important that they do for them. I want to add some more stats that they give on emotional maturity. So, you know, they say in this one part, um, just below emotional maturity has never been hotter. So what do singles really want? 84% want someone they can trust and confide in 84% want someone they can communicate their wants and needs to. Oh, I really wonder about that 16% who's not prioritizing this. Anyway, uh, 83% want someone open-minded and accepting of differences. 84% want someone that can make them laugh. 83% want someone emotionally mature. 82% want someone comfortable with their sexuality. 80% want someone who has a life of their own. And 79% want someone who's confident, self-assured. And only 78% want someone physically attractive versus 90% in 2020. Wow, what a drop. 12%. I mean, I, I would say, I don't know how this was really worded to them, but everybody wants somebody that they're attracted to. So I don't right. know if this, if this we, we all, it's all like, a, what is it, objective? Like, well, I'd love to know the methodology yeah. between ask how these questions were asked, right? Because I think to myself, like, you know, one thing that I saw in the pandemic and how people were dating differently was that, and I'm sure this will talk about it as we go in the study, they were way more open on race. They were way more open on religion, but also, you know, the physical attractiveness, um, you know, it seemed like people were might open a little bit more on height. It seemed like people were open a little bit more on body type, not too much, but a little bit more. And it does make me wonder like the methodology behind physical attractiveness. Now, one of the things that I do want to point out is that 83% want someone emotionally mature. And what's interesting is I don't remember, you know, we've Agape Match has been around for 13 years. You know, you, you Crystal has been here for six, Lucinda's been here for five, Anna Maria has been here for three. I can only think in the last year where people specifically say to me, I want someone emotionally mature. I don't remember being asked that. The one thing here, it's uh, one of the, what was it here? Uh, 80% want someone who has a life of their own. That is 100% at, at the Agape Match office. Anyone we've ever met has told us they have to have a life of their own. But that's always existed since we started, you know, back in the late, I don't know. I don't know what I'm about to say here. About back in 2008, late. 2009. I don't know what to say. Late, the late, late 2000. <laughs> the late 2000s. Um, but what do you, you know, Lucinda, what do you think here about emotionally mature, emotional maturity? I think that this is like almost like a culmination of all the different movements that have kind of been coming up and the pandemic kind of just accelerated all of these. So we're talking about, um, mental health, we're talking about maturity, we're talking about, you know, having goals. I think that, you know, um, and, and diversity, obviously, too, but I think that the pandemic really in intensified everything and kind of pushed all of these forward, um, kind of like sped it all up. And and I think that's what we're seeing on this, on this, um, you know, uh, study. study here. Yeah, thank you. Word went away uh, from my brain, but I, I really do. I think this is, you know, and we're seeing all of this, you know, every time that I speak to somebody, um, whether it's a client or a match, you know, these are the things that they ask for. They want someone who has friends and who has hobbies and who has goals. Um, and they want someone who's mature and self-aware. This is everything that we're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis at Agape. Yeah. It, it, I think another thing that kind of changed during the pandemic was like prior to the pandemic, if I was talking to someone, they would say stuff like, oh no, they can't have roommates. 
Um, I live alone, so they they have to live alone, which is a very weird ask because in New York, you know, rents are what they are that a lot of people do have roommates. And that somehow just disappeared. Like I have not heard a single person tell me about roommates because I think during the pandemic, having a roommate was, uh, you know, you had company during lockdown. You didn't necessarily drive your, not that everyone that was alone did, but you know, it can get really lonely during lockdown. You know, you didn't see another person. You didn't physically touch another person for a few months. That was, that was really tough for a lot of people. And, you know, to go back to someone who has a life of their own, I, I immediately recall this, this woman that I think she had done one of our programs. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And why don't you say the story? You, you know, this better than I do. Um, you know, she was really fantastic and she came in and she had recently broken up and she mm-hmm. told us like, look, my ex was great. He was a nice guy. He treated me well. I knew I was loved. Um, I felt like I was loved and, you know, but you know, he was like a recent transplant to New York and he didn't really have his own friend group. You know, he didn't have his own thing that he was doing. And so she felt almost stifled. Like she felt like, um, cornered. Um, and you know, a lot of that is her own thing, but she felt like she couldn't go to brunch, her monthly brunch with her friends because he would be home alone. And so she felt like this constant need of being always the entertainer in the relationship. You know, there's a two minute, the two minute pause in, in, in the conversation. It's like, oh, I got to fill that two minutes with conversation. Otherwise he's not going to have a good time with me. Um, and right. so, but that's on an everyday basis. And that's so she, she, you know, as a coaching client, she was like, it's really important for me that my next relationship, he have his own life. He have his group of friends. I don't care what he does. Like, you know, I, he could be a he could go to golf. He can have a, he could go to a paint class, but he does something that does not require me to be in it. Like he has his life, I have my life and together we do stuff together, but we always have our own thing going on. I mean, this goes back to why I'm constantly telling people, like if you wanna meet someone in 2022, you have to increase your social calendar, not because there's more opportunities to meet new people, but you also become really much more attractive if you have an active social life, like you're you're less available, which makes you, you know, which is like, man, I'd really like to be in her schedule or her, his schedule. Like, wow, you have all these different interests. Wow. You're involved in these things. You know, if you meet someone who says that, you know, oh, I don't like that you have weekly hobbies that you tend to and other relationships that you tend to, I don't want you dating that person because that person is looking for you to be their whole world. That's a red flag. I would say Yeah, they have an issue with your extracurriculars. Why, you know, ask yourself why. All right. So here, wise beyond their years, the next thing here. Now I just want to, I'm going to just give you a heads up, Anna Maria. I'm going to make fun of you because I would never, I would never (laughs) consider you a millennial. In my eyes, you are a Gen Z. Like you were born in 1996. How old does that make you now? Although I do hit the 25 age. Oh, wait, is it up to 20? Wait, oh, so you are Gen Z. No, I am a millennial. (laughs) No, you're not no, no. a millennial. It says the millennial here is 25 <gasps> to 40. Okay, listen, you are on, the, <laughs> you are, okay, forget it. Not even on the spectrum. No, she's, first of all, she was raised in Greece. So it's like, I feel like if you know how like movies arrived to Greece, like back then, like a year later. Yeah. So technically if you are a 25 year old, in Greece, you are a Gen Z. For the Maya. purpose of the study, Ana Maria, you are a Gen Z. Lucinda is, <laughs> I will allow it. Lucinda is furiously nodding what I'm saying. So, <laughs> okay. So, anyway. so, okay. 
Turns so they right here. Turns out we don't know Gen Z millennials as well as we thought. Yeah, because everyone thinks that millennials are Gen Z. Like they're like, oh, these millennials again. I'm like, millennials are 40 and like have mortgages and divorces under their belt. Like the we have kids, damn it. We have kids. Anyway, while some see them as entitled, weak, or self-obsessive, these participation trophy generations, who the fuck wrote this part? Anyway, uh, are actually the ones leading the charge when it comes to self-improvement. From their personal to their professional lives, young singles use the pandemic to truly grow up and proving that for some age relief is just a number. I just want to say before I show the percentages here, that basically they're saying that Gen X and boomers in this study are doing jack shit to improve themselves. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Okay. Let's look at these percentages. So it says here, 72% of Gen Z and 68% of millennials took up new hobbies during the pandemic. This statistic surprises the hell out of me. And I think it would be interesting to see a bigger breakdown because for instance, I, if you consider creating a podcast during a pandemic, a hobby, I consider it work fine. I will give you that. I did something during the pandemic. But, and I, of course, my experience is not everyone's experience, right? But I would, I would have imagined that it would have been at least over 80% for Gen Z picking something up because of their age. Like, what else are you doing when you're not in school, when you're not at work? Can I just say something here? I mean, we're assuming that they didn't already have, like, if you do not have kids and you are working professional, you likely have other hobbies. So they probably already had things that they were doing um, and they, and taking up a new hobby, would, would would suggest this percentage. Um, I'm more surprised that 68% the 68% of millennials. That yeah, that blew me away. That to me it seems really high because I did not take out any new. <laughs> I did not take out any new hobbies because my hobby, um, I guess, was just taking care of my kids. Um, but you're, you know, but alive. you're not. See, you're not okay. So I guess this would be. That's why I want the breakdown because, like, you know, you're obviously. I mean, that this is my projection. You, yeah, of course, this is your projection. This study is for singles. Yeah. But you know what? There's a significant, I, that's why I would love to see the breakdown. Like, okay, of the millennials that have kids, the single parents that are millennials, how many of them picked up hobbies? And then the single, and then the single millennials without kids, how many of those people picked up hobbies? Anna Maria, did you pick up a hobby during the pandemic? Well, speaking from my point of view, who apparently I'm a hybrid, so I'm half millennial, half Gen Z, uh, I generational centaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked up hobbies, I guess, in house like cooking or painting. So not anything outdoors. So I don't know if this is considered a hobby. So I try to spend my time at home and use it. You know, some learning something new. Painting was always something I wanted to do, but it's like, uh, let me be realistic. I have like a two-year-old who they're going to mess it up. So it's like in five years, I'll pick up the hobby. Of I feel like my son picked up a lot of hobbies. I don't know what generation he is, but he picked up a zero. ton of hobbies. Generation zero. Generation <laughs> pandemic. Generation mask. Uh, Gen P. Um, okay. 69% of Gen Z made strides in their career. 69% of millennials got better at managing their finances. Guilty. Uh, 68% of millennials got better at managing their time. I feel like that should be even higher. Only 68. Like, yeah, but you're assuming you're something that's like, that's what I'm doing. No, right now. I'm also just thinking about like how, uh, I don't maybe know. the other group portion was already managing their time. Well, I don't know. Right. It's um, hard. I definitely got better at managing my time. So it says here, hookup culture is history. We're not saying one night stands are gone for good, but they're definitely on the decline. 
you know, I'd really love to see, I feel like 5,000 people is not enough. I'd love to see the breakdown by city and all that stuff. But anyway, and to the shock of many young singles, they're embracing, uh, okay, so I'm sorry here. The pandemic has initiated an appetite for more meaningful, steadfast, and long-term relationship. Um, it says here only 11% of singles want to date casually. 62% of singles say they're more interested in finding a meaningful, committed relationship. 51% of singles spent more time crafting more thoughtful messages on dating apps. You know what this comes to, you know, when I, when I read this, my immediate thought, um, gosh, my first, okay. So my first job out of college, like first, like real paying job out of college is I worked at, um, at safe count, which is part of Mill, Millward Brown, which did studies like this. They would do studies on consumers. And so when I think of this, like only 11% of singles want to date casually, I think about who are the people that actually, so like, let's say that someone's on match.com or wherever this study was being conducted, right? I, you, I have to think about like, who are the kind of people who would say, oh yeah, I'll take a feedback survey or I'll take a survey. Like to me, these are people who are like invested in their dating. So they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a survey. And then like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you that I'm looking for a serious relationship. Like, I don't know. Does I don't think 11% sounds... Uh, just based Does it on, sound too low? It sounds way too low for me because um, just based on the amount of women that, you know, Maria, I, and Lucinda meet on a weekly basis, the ones that are using uh, apps or have been meeting people in the app, or like even when we're doing our um, intensive programs, mm. this seems way too low for me because they'll say, oh, they only want to date casually or they're not telling me what they want mm. or, and I'm looking for a relationship. And it's always like, the, the issue is they're not meeting, they're not meeting the men that want to be into serious and want to enter into serious relationships. And by and large, they're meeting these men via apps. Right. So I have to, yeah, to me. I have to echo what Chrisula is saying, because you, you look at our clients for our, our group coaching intensive, you look at our dating refresh program clients, and this is a, a theme where it's, it's, I've been talking to somebody, I thought we had a connection and then they ghost me or they tell me they're really not interested in anything serious. So I think, I think this number is higher. And I think you're on to something, Maria. You know, I also, well, what you just said, Lucinda too, is like, both can be true. You could be looking for a serious relationship and date someone and say, well, I'm not into you. So like, yes, I just feel like there's also, if <laughs> I'd love to see the breakdown by generation on the casual thing, because yeah. I don't think, I think you know, you're talking about a massive population. I will tell you about the breakdown by gender and city in a few minutes, but you know, that's, I don't know, that seems pretty low, at least, you know, from what we're seeing in New York. Um, okay. I want to go to the next part really here, because this was very interesting to me. You know, our company set up something like 300 zoom dates last year. And this year um, it's been significantly less than last year, but I think we've hit like the 50 mark. So 50 Zoom dates, you know, they're really great, we think. So this gave me a lot more validation. So check this out. Half of young singles had a video date before meeting in person. And one in four singles overall have had one. And check this out. 78% of singles have felt romantic chemistry during a video date. Oh, absolutely. That's nuts. I've, I've had, I've had, look, this is all situational, right? There are people who are really good at banter whether it's video or in person. Mm. And so of course they will have, they will feel some sort of romantic chemistry with somebody via video date. Um, and there's other people that we meet that um, do not enjoy this process at all. So they, no. they do not want to meet over zoom. They're like, Nope, in person. And that's really indicative of, of, of 
you know, the last, you know, almost two years, can you believe it? Almost two years of the pandemic. I do not, I want to go out, get me out of this apartment. I want to meet new people in person. Right. But I think video chat platforms are here to stay for moving forward. Like, oh, there's this, uh, there's this option that I can meet somebody before putting on makeup no 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 you're gonna i mean we always recommend you get ready like you're going on oh a date yeah you're right, your you're right. what date. am i saying but i mean like an in-person date because if you're not feeling it through video then you're gonna be like you know what i'm not i don't need to meet this person you know in person and that's fine you but know what would have been good... cool you know what would have been cool after this percent this like little study here mm -hmm. to have okay so 78 percent of singles have felt romantic chemistry during a video date what is the percentage of singles who are now open to dating long distance because that is also something that became way more popular at a goblin match. We have a lot of clients who are open suddenly to national searches because they're like, well, I can zoom now. And if we connect, why wouldn't I travel to Atlanta? Why wouldn't I go to Chicago? Why wouldn't I head over to, you know, LA? Uh, and I think that's, I think that's interesting. I think it would have been cool to see how many people are open to long distance. I think people are open to long distance now because they know, uh, you know, there's work some from like, home. work from home is giving them the opportunity to be like, I always wanted to live in Denver and I can do that now. So yeah, I'll be open to meeting somebody in Denver. I, I want, you know, my, I, I can work from anywhere. I'll go to Miami two, two months. I'll go to Houston two months, whatever. And so it's giving them that opportunity that they never had before. So yeah, we are seeing a lot of people open to the idea of out dating outside of the tri-state, you know? Are you guys ready to hear the results about vaccinations over singles? Yes, I am. These are really shocking. 65% of singles would like their dating partners to be vaccinated. This increases even more for vaccinated singles, 80% of which want their partners to be vaccinated too. So that's a really, that's 80%. 80% of vaccinated people want their partners to be vaccinated. That's nuts. That's, that's crazy. Okay. Four more percentage points. Are you ready? 58% of singles are unlikely to have sex with an unvaccinated partner. They have, they actually broke it down by generation. Listen to this, 30, this applies to 33% of young singles. 57% of Gen X will not have sex with someone who's unvaccinated. 85% of boomers will not have sex with someone who is not vaccinated. Let's go to the next percentage study. 54% of singles are unlikely to consider an unvaccinated person for a romantic relationship. 24, the breakdown, 24% of young singles, 52% of Gen X, 84% of boomers. That's crazy. Yeah, boomers aren't trying to die. Yeah, they're not trying to die. 53% 53% of singles will not go on a second date with someone who is unvaccinated. Um, the percentage breakdown is again, similar to before the, in terms of generation, um, it's 25, 50, and then 82% for boomers, 53%. So you could have a great first date, but if you're not vaccinated, there will not, there's a 53% chance you're not going on a second date. That's nuts. 48%, nearly half of singles think people who are unvaccinated are selfish. I'm not saying this. This is what the study, I'm literally reading it. Okay. So don't fill me up with one stars. Nearly half of singles think people who are unvaccinated are selfish with 44% of Gen X and 60% of boomers believing this. That is nuts. That's crazy. These are really like, you know what it is too. It's not, I've always said, this is not a political statement. It, all it is from singles is I just want to date safely. 
And by not being vaccinated, you can't date safely. You can't have fun, um, <laughs> point blank. Because in New York City, there's a mandate. You want to eat indoors, you have to show a vaccination card. Um, and I, you know, it would suck if you have decided you want to you want to go on a date with somebody and say, okay, I'm just going to do outdoor dining, which is available, and it rains that day, and now you have to move that indoors, and you can't move indoors because you're not allowed to do it. Um, so yeah, I would say you can't have fun if you are not vaccinated in the state of New York, you are unable to do things. And that's why yeah. it's so important. That's why people might think that it is selfish or unlikely to go on a second date. Now we're entering winter. So it's, I feel like this, this makes a lot of sense. Even the people that were meeting. Um, I think, I think this is, if you're, if this broke totally down the accurate. city, if this broke down the city, it would be like 95% of New Yorkers are going to ask you to be back. It's like interesting because like, um, someone recently called us that was not vaccinated. We haven't had an unvaccinated client since May. Right. And every single person, with the exception of a handful that we've met for those clients are vaccinated. And yeah, they tell us, we don't, we don't even have to people. ask. I think it was, yeah, one or two people. We, we don't even have to ask. People just immediately tell us I'm vaccinated. I expect this person is, is your client it's vaccinated. A deal breaker. Like, it's a deal breaker. It's the most, it's the first deal breaker now. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think what, what we're all like the other day, someone contacted us and they told Louie on the phone, I'm not vaccinated. Is that going to be a problem? And Louie was like, you know, I don't, you know, we don't know you. So we don't know if we could take you on before even we know about your vaccine status, but I don't know how it's going to work with dating when if we're setting up dates and winter is here, like cold weather is here. How do we set up dates for you? Cause we can't possibly ask every person when it's negative 10 degrees outside <laughs> doesn't have to be 10 degrees when it's 32 degrees outside and there's no heat lamp at the restaurant or it's not working you know you can't eat inside like that's gonna be really tough on a date <laughs> i mean listen we, we set up those 300 zoom dates last year 200 of them went to in-person dates we became experts on which restaurants last December, last December and January before mm -hmm. people were vaccinated, mm -hmm. which of the restaurants had the igloos and the glass houses, like where people could eat outdoors, but still, but, but that was the reality them. last year. There was no indoor dining last year. Right. So you, you want to meet in person? Well, this are the only places that are not dumps and are appropriate for dates that have outdoor <laughs> not dining. Dumps. Yeah. We have <laughs> to take that into consideration and have outdoor dining and have heated, heated spaces. And so now that there is indoor dining why do you why does it need to be 17 degrees outside and you have to sit outside i'm telling you like the people that i meet i'm asking these questions i'm saying are you comfortable everybody who's vaccinated is saying i am down for indoor dining as long as they are vaccinated it is the number one it has become the number one uh deal, uh, deal breaker. breaker yeah and then the second one is always smoking but yeah. um but yeah. number one deal breaker by and large, you know, what's also interesting here. And I, so I was interviewed, um, by, um, big media publication. I think it's going to be published today, today. We're recording this on a Tuesday, November 9th. But when they asked me about what I think the trends are next year, and I, the study, this, the match study had yet to come out. Right. But I said to them, I think we're, I think no one is talking to single parents. So I think the next big polarization when it comes to vaccination and dating is going to be among single parents because here's the situation. There are single parents who are vaccinated. 
but there are single parents who are vaccinated who don't want to vaccinate their kids. And there is going to be a situation in our office in the next couple of months where we have a single parent who is asking us to match them. And they're going to say, my kids are vaccinated and I want any single parent that you set me up with to also have their kids vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Like it's about to get polarized and it's about to get ultra polarizing, poral, can't even say it's polarizing. I can't say it. (laughs) In dating. We got this study. The study does not show this, but you know, if I would wager to guess that it would I don't know. I, I, I don't have any methodology. I have no study. I'm just going to grab a number out of my butt and it's going to be 25% of people that have vaccinated their kids are going to be willing to date other people who have not, who have also vaccinated their kids. I'm sure there's a study somewhere out there when it doesn't have to be about COVID, but like even just like the, the you know, vaccine movements, like, Hey, you know, your, or your kids, do your kids have the measles vaccine? No. And my kids do. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. This is, this is very tricky. This is a tight rope. And I, I think that it's going to exist and we'll see, I will see what happens now. Let's head on to race and dating is social justice. The new deal breaker. Maybe. In fact, we hope so. This is again, this is match groups, singles in America.com. I'm reading off of 58% of singles think it's important that their dating partner supports BLM black lives matter. 67% of Gen Z with 60% of millennials. I wonder why they left out the boomers here. Um, It would be a really sad percentage, I bet, (laughs) which is really disgusting. 62% feel similarly about Stop Asian Hate Movement. Um, And then it says here, seven in 10 singles say they are open to dating someone of a different race or ethnicity. I wonder, it doesn't say here, it doesn't say here like what the difference is from last year, but oh wait, hold on. Seven in ten singles say they're open to dating someone different race or ethnicity. A twenty-two percent increase compared to before the pandemic. I I predicted this. I can't believe it. This is so validating. This is the biggest. If you're if you were to ask me what is the biggest difference we have seen during the pandemic, it's suddenly people are just way more open to dating outside of their race and religion. Before the pandemic, it was like, I would say maybe like, I don't know, one in 10. What? No, I feel like the women, I I would say eight. What? Eight eight out of 10 women that we're meeting are like, yep, open. Open. And that's a great thing. I don't remember it being, I think it was like maybe one in five or one in seven. Yeah, it was a sad, nuts. Sad. uh, Like, I don't want to date outside my race. Um, it, it was really crazy to, to see like, not even race. It, it, I mean, forget race. Fine. You only want to date white people, but it's like, but they have to be Christian. They can't be Jewish. They can't be agnostic. They can't be atheists. And suddenly that's another thing. Suddenly there's a lot more acceptance for atheists too. Yeah. I think a lot of people lost their faith during the <laughs> pandemic. So they're like, yeah, I'm down with atheists um, and agnostics or whatever you want to be. But um, what I, okay, look, you know, this is our experience yeah. with talking to uh, uh, people in, by and large, it's a tri-state area. Uh, if we were, you know, based out of Kentucky, we would have a whole different oh, idea of this. The type of people that we would be talking to their ideas uh, because um, people in, in tri-state are usually more or less higher percentage of people are more socially liberal um and so but they also have more it's not even about being socially liberal because i've even seen conservatives in our office who are open to dating outside of their race and mm-hmm. religion i think it's just i think 
I think there's a lot more access and acceptability of others. Um, I, I can't explain it, but it was, this was the one thing. And in fact, when that, the media publication interviewed me um, about my predictions, I, this is one of the things was the first thing I think it was one of the first things I said, I was like, the openness to ethnicity and religion is just, has just this last 12 months has been refreshing and awesome. I love it. I mean, I'm even seeing people not just, I mean, I know this has not having to do with it, but it open to, you know, people are open to religion. People are open to ethnic, different ethnic backgrounds, but now, um, you know, you're seeing people even open to single parents where they weren't before. Yeah. And that is really, really, uh, refreshing to me. Uh, I, you know, and I'm not talking about 45 year olds who let maybe have a child or something. I'm talking about 30 year olds. I'm talking about 27 year old. You've women. met 30 year old people. Yep. I've met 27, wow. 30 year old women. They're like, yeah, I meet a guy who has a kid. That's awesome. Look, That's I know awesome. this doesn't have to do with this particular study, but then there's a lot of people that I'm meeting a lot of women that I have been meeting that do not want to have kids. Yeah. I would love to see a study yes. that. Cause like, there's so many, and they know what that is. They're like, how do I tell a man I don't want to have kids? And I'm like, well, if you're dating online, it should be on your profile. Yep. And then when you message people, I would just get ahead of it. I would say, you know, if you're, if you're clicking with someone, you're about to schedule a date. I, if you are, if you do not want kids, both men and women, this is when you say it, Hey, you know, before we put, you know, before I add this to my calendar, I need you to know that I'm not interested in having children. Is that okay with you? I don't know if that's the right, by the way, someone could be right now furiously disagreeing with me and that's totally fine. I don't know what the right answer is here. I would love for people to maybe try that for me and report back if that works or not. But I think there is no shame in not wanting to have children. Having children is not for everybody. Yeah. And I think it's becoming a little bit more, uh, it's way more societally accepted, societally accept like even people that are just, I don't know, like, and that's a, okay. Quite like, or I could go either way. I could go if, either way. If the that's person way. that's the, I, that, you know, if, if we decide together, great. If we decide that we don't want to great, this is not the end all of my, of my, the progression of my life. Yeah. You don't need um, to know the answer right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's look at the next, um, so um, it's talked, okay, this is, this is where I'm, I, I read this and I disagreed with every fiber of my being. So the man Volution and me two times, they're talking about, you know, whatever here, but um, it says here, nearly 60% of single men say it's important that their partner supports the me too movement. Nearly 60%, I want to repeat this, nearly 60% of single men say it's important that their partner supports the me too movement. What? I have never, I mean, that's great. That's great. But like, I have never heard anyone, a man talk to me. Do you support the me? Like, not just me, like, is this happening on dates? I don't know. Like are men t- talking to women saying, do you support the me too movement? 60%. I feel like this was a prompt. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. How was this wondering, question worded? Wondering if this was a prompt in the survey that they allowed these people to take. And it was like, do you support the me too movement? And yes. 60% of men were like, yes, I do. And how I support the me too movement. And is how important, important is that to you? What is the opposite here? I'd like to see how many women say it's important that their partner supports the Me Too movement. Now, yeah. here's where I disagree with the next part. Again, I want to see the methodology. Men, 42% of men 
are more ready to find a long-term romantic relationship than women, 29%. Uh, So only 29% are ready of women are ready for a long-term relationship versus 42% of men who are ready to find that. Oh, I don't, Dr. Fisher, tell me how you came up with these numbers. I don't, I don't, I don't not believe you, (laughs) but I need to see a breakdown. I need to know what questions were asked. Again, it goes back to survey methodology, like the kind of person, the kind of man who's open to taking a survey on a dating website is might be the kind of guy who wants to be in a relationship they're invested. Um, I wonder of these women, 29%, I would tell you it's 90%, 90% of women. I talk to women all fucking day for the last 13 years, okay? And I would tell you that 90% of women are ready for relationship if the right guy showed up today. You know what changed during the pandemic? I'm going to call This is my own little wording here. I'm calling it weaponized dating vocabulary. Women learned what they need for like their own emotional standards. And they started throwing it back at men. And the only way 29, that this number is accurate, that 29% of women are ready for a long-term relationship. It, the only world I can see that this is real is, oh, um, women have increase their standards for what they need from emotionally from a partner. And if men can't meet the bare minimum, what is the standard, by the way, the standard is text me, call me every day. That is the bare minimum here. Communicate with me, communicate with me. Let me be vulnerable with you, be my safe space. And that is the bare minimum that women are asking for. And if men don't meet this like little step into being a mature adult, they're just not interested in being in a relationship with that person. Yeah, that, that's the only way I totally agree. That's the only way that this uh, study makes sense to me. This this portion of it makes sense to me because, um, and this is amazing, right? They have the vocabulary. We have it in the forefront, right? And the national consciousness of the vocabulary now that uh, maybe we didn't have in the past to be able to conceptualize what is what we're going through in these relationships. So if I feel like you are... Uh, uh, um, oh, like, like, uh, attached the book, how many women have read attached? How many men have read attached? Right? right. It's like, I feel like you're being avoidant and that's making me anxious. And I don't like how I'm feeling right now. So I'm just going to let you go. There is a lot to this study. Again, you can look at it as singles in America for this portion. There's a lot of percentages, um, that just, wow. They, I don't, if I sit here and I mean, this would be the entire podcast. If we go over the next two paragraphs, so we're not going to, but if you want to look at the rest of the stuff, check out singlesinamerica.com and look at the study. Okay. Let's move on from that and talk about, I'm going to skip the hopeful romantics for a second. I mean, we try. Um, the not so slutty summer is what they called it. Oh, um, they call it the slutty summer that never was. So two and three singles want to wait until after the third date to have sex. Um, 40, 47% of both genders faked an orgasm in the past year. Um, Naked photos have declined. 34% of singles sent less nudes than prior to the pandemic. It's because nobody's like taking showers and shaving. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's why. Not because um, unsolicited. Oh, here we go. Here's talking about hobbies. Half of singles say they learned something new sexually since the pandemic. One in five young singles are now more open to experimenting with sex toys and sharing sexual fantasies with their partners. You know, I can tell you where this happens, by the way. I feel like every single person that I follow on Instagram is like peddling sex toys. 
Oh, that's is true. that my well, imagination? No, yeah. Well, they get sponsored and they get paid for that. Of course. So it's like, wait, you just I showed mean, me a picture of your kids and and now it's a post of like a dildo. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I think also, you know, if you were alone during the pandemic, you know, sex toys can be really great to get off. Um yeah, anyway, okay, let's keep going. Um okay. This, I, we've seen this too. So the pandemic dating playbook part. Okay. So COVID changed nearly every aspect of normality and dating is no exception. While the pandemic continues to evolve, two out of three singles say new spikes in cases won't stop them from dating in person. Um, you know, I feel like the people who are saying it won't stop them are probably vaccinated and they're like, well, this other person's vaccinated. I don't know, maybe people are doing more self-tests and they're ensuring their safety more or they have, now you have access to that. Um, I, I'm seeing that too. Like people do not, like, I just want to get out of my house. I spent so much time in it. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't need right. to meet people. And it's like, it's this uh, human need for, um, to have a social life and to be able to talk to somebody else, you know, so. So they have come up with conclusions here. I would love it if, uh, you know, why don't Lucinda, why don't you read the first one? And then, uh, you know, where it says get vaxxed the next one, Anna you do the next one. Like we can all take our turns to reading these. I think these are really good dating tips. All right. So get vaxxed. We won't tiptoe around it. Two and three singles want their date to be vaccinated against COVID-19, 65%. A majority of singles are not likely to go on a first date with someone who is unvaccinated. That's 52%. And even more are not likely to have sex with them at 58%. So basically, if you want to go on a date and you want to have sex, get vaccinated. You could get it on the first date. Just got to be vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, but you should follow the 12-date rule. Yes, no. yes, 12-date rule. Don't, we're not, don't put in my stuff, 12-date rule. This is, I don't want people confusing. This is Match Group's Singles in America study, singlesinamerica.com. So let's just read what they're saying. We don't need to put the editorial in here. <laughs> Anna Maria, go ahead. What's the next one here? Opt for a call over a text. I 100% agree with that because it's all about hearing someone's voice. 71% of singles overall and 70% of young singles prefer a phone audio chat prior to meeting someone for a first date. Wow. You know what? I'm going to put a little tour. I was speaking at this thing a few weeks ago and um, someone asked, is it normal that people are asking to speak to me over the phone? I was like, yeah. And the person sitting next to me was like, no, you should be meeting them in person. And I was like, well, I think it's okay to talk to someone on the phone before you meet a complete stranger. But this gives me uh, a lot of validity, 71% uh, of singles. All right, uh, Crystal, why don't you read this one? Don't skip a video date. It's not just for social distancing anymore. 71% of singles said a video date helped determine if they wanted to meet up in person. Wow. And 60, 63% say they would be more comfortable in a first date if they had video chatted with the person beforehand. Yes. Uh, totally agree. It's a really good, yeah, it's a really good determining factor. Widen your net. You never know who you might find. Over half of singles have become more interested in exploring a wide array of potential romantic partners. All right. Uh, lead with more than just looks. Because now more than ever, men and women are looking for more than just a pretty face. This year, there was a drop in singles preference for physical attractiveness, while preference for traits that demonstrate emotional maturity increased. I am proud of singles. Love that. 
be open to wearing a mask. Over one in four singles reported that someone being against wearing masks is an instant turnoff, 28% overall, 41% boomers, and one in three women wouldn't go on a first date with an anti-masker. In three? That's nuts. I feel like that should be higher. I meet all the time people that are like anti-masker, anti-vaxxer, like going hand in hand sometimes. That's still high. One in three. I mean, hold on the hug, at least in the beginning. One in five singles say they have less desire to be touched now. And 40% of women do not want to be greeted with a hug or a handshake on the date. I just want to say this. I feel like this is general. No, no, this is generally like I see people and I'm like, I don't know how to act anymore. And that's because of... Oh, the pandemic. You don't know. Like, yeah. do you want, you know, follow the new three date rule. Oh, another rule. Okay. Singles. Oh, I actually agree with this. So singles agree that you need three dates with someone to know if you're compatible. Uh, yeah. We've been saying this for years after all chemistry takes time to build cosign. Yes. Everyone who's like, I didn't feel a spark on the first date. The spark is overrated. You have felt the spark with numerous people and it never worked out. Chemistry takes time to build. As long as you have curiosity and you're enjoying yourself, keep going out. All right, go I ahead. Have, I co-sign that as well <laughs> from personal experience. All right, the next one. Uh, don't rush to the bedroom. An astonishing two in three singles want to wait to have sex with their new partner until after three dates. Commit to commitment. Okay, I feel like this should be my Instagram bio. It's hotter than you think. Two <laughs> percent of sing- singles became more interested in a meaningful, committed relationship since before the pandemic began. Stick to the safer date spots. Eat at an outdoor restaurant. 40% of singles feel comfortable doing this. Walk around a park or a neighborhood. 39% of singles agreed to do this. Have an outdoor picnic. 29%. Be conscious of transportation. 37% of singles don't want to go on a date that requires them to take the train, bus, or subway right now. Um, That's it. Yeah. Um, Now, a few things here. Um, Louis sent me these breakdowns. But he said the gender polled was 62% women, 37% men. Uh, 11.2% were from California. 7.9% were from New York. 7.9% from Florida and 76 from Texas. The rest of the individuals polled in the study were from the other states and they were very small percentages. So that's it. If you want to learn more about this study and read everything that we didn't read or go into, you should check out Singles in America com. This is a study, again, uh, produced by Match Group. Um, and this is a bonus episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. I just wanted you got you know, you all to hear how our company breaks down when new information becomes available to us uh, in the dating world. And that was a lot of new information. And the majority of it validates what we've been saying and feeling and seeing in our office, but also on social media. Uh, I want to thank again, matchmaker Crisula, matchmaker Lucinda, and community manager Anna Maria, that sounds weird, um, for joining <laughs> me on this bonus episode. Um, hopefully we'll have you back on soon again for something else. Who knows? Super. Thank you for having us. Super thank exciting. You. And if you are interested in talking to my team, you can always check us out at agapimatch.com and follow the prompts and, you know, Maybe one day you'll be interviewed by us and set you up on a date or get into an agape intensive or a dating refresh. There's so many ways to work with us. The only way to do that is to go to agapematch.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, be likable and more importantly, be lovable. Oh wait, no, that was wrong. And as always, oh God, as always, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. 
See ya.